Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing with your hosts, Asif Khan and Abriana Lopez. All right, we are back with your favorite podcast of the week. This is This Week in Location-Based Marketing. It's episode number 423, and we're recording live on July the 16th. Abriana, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Back from vacation. Yeah. <laughs> down in Myrtle Beach with the family and it was hot and we got a lot of swimming and some golf and too much uh, outlet shopping and all that kind of stuff <laughs> but everybody had a good time so yeah well while you were relaxing uh, we moved offices so yeah same girl new office um, but I have nothing in here yet we just moved in yesterday so yeah it's been a crazy crazy couple of weeks here but um, we're getting settled, and it's nice. Good. But yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's just jump into it then. Uh, we've got uh, three industry news stories, three member news stories this week. And as per usual, Abriana will kick us off. I sure will. So I'm starting with a story from Army or GoArmy.com. Um, the U.S. Army is sort of beefing up their marketing efforts. Uh, they talked a little bit about some of the challenges that they've had and sort of streamlining their messaging over the years. Um, so they're, when they look at kind of who their personas are that they're targeting or the core um, audience that they're going after is uh, potential soldiers or, you know, recruits, um, current soldiers, and then influencers. And so the messaging tends to be very different for each of those, and they were really having a hard time finding something that, you know, made each of those uh, connect and engage. So they're working with... Um, they're working in partnership with DDB Chicago, which is um, a marketing firm out of Chicago. And what they're doing now is they're kind of using VR to address some of this. Um, so they were kind of saying like soldiers are doing so many different things and um, every career track is very different within the U.S. Army. And so they have given the ability for somebody to actually use VR. Um, so they are, are doing this with uh, VR goggles. And each career track is going to have sort of like this in-depth, immersive experience so you can kind of see what each career track does. So they started off with one that was kind of cool. It's Second Lieutenant Charlotte Levine, and she's a platoon leader, and she's also one of the very first um, female tank commanders in the U.S. Army, which is pretty cool. Um, so that's who they've started with, and you can kind of just put on the, the, you know, the goggles and have this immersive experience from her perspective and what she's doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, and they're also looking to start incorporating other data points, so interest uh, data and behavior data as well. Um, they talked more about the interest data that they have access to, and, and so they're going to focus the messaging sort of like, for example, if you're searching for, you know, financial aid, then they might be targeting that messaging on GoArmy.com towards financial aid or, you know, tuition reimbursement or things of that nature that the Army can offer. So. You know, I find this very interesting. It's kind of odd to think about a marketing perspective for, um, you know, any of the armed forces and, and our service members, um, you know, but I understand the need to recruit. I think that one thing that resonated with me is that they were saying some of these like really high intensity, like the battles that they were showing and using sort of as like the marketing campaigns did not resonate well with mothers. I'm like, well, obviously, but <laughs> you know, I feel like that also resonates really well probably with younger men who, you know, that is sort of what drives them. And it's almost like that 
superhero or video game mentality and the idea of being able to engage in that. Um, you know, I'm sure I know firsthand from many family members who have served that there's a lot of hardships. So the idea of marketing around this, you know, in this lifestyle is, is kind of like something challenging to wrap your head around. However, that personal feeling aside, I think, you know, this is interesting that they're using this. And I like the idea that they're going to allow you to sort of engage with not only people who are like fighting on the front line, but also, you know, people who are maybe doing like translation services or other things that the army can provide. So, you know, just getting the idea that there's a variety of ways that you can engage and, and um, you know, participate uh, and serve your, your country and the armed services. So that's my take. Yeah. I, I really like the story. I think that, um, uh, first of all, I mean, the, uh, in kind of reinventing their their marketing campaign, they've just uh, I guess signed on with uh, DDB uh, Chicago is the agency that uh, they're working with to kind of put all this together. Um, but I, I love the idea of using VR in this context. Obviously, you know we've uh, covered many uh, retail VR stories uh, over the last couple of years. You know things like Macy's, you know setting up uh, you know Santa's workshop and letting people kind of put on VR goggles, kids put on VR goggles and be transported to, uh, you know, the North Pole and things like that and kind of, you know, having playful experiences like this. But I, but I think using it in a, in a business or uh, um, a job uh, kind of context like this, I think makes a lot of sense. And I think especially when it's something, the kind of career that most of us, you know, don't have the ability to just see in everyday life, you know, and just by where we go and so on, um, to be able to, to actually, if you're, if you're thinking about it or considering it, uh, to be able to kind of uh, understand what a day in, in the life of, of that particular uh, job function is within the Army. So I love it. And, I and to your point, I think I like that, that they're doing this across all disciplines there. It's not just, you know, the, uh, you know, the infantry and so on. Um, you know, it, it's, it's tanks, it's, it, it's translation, it's, it's engineering, it's, it's all of it. Um, so I, I like that they're doing it that way. Um, and, and I think it, um, you know, it just makes a ton of sense. And, and you mentioned this idea of kind of the video game aspect of it. Um, and I think that's important too. If you're targeting kind of the young male demographic, you know, many uh, folks in that, in that category play a lot of these kind of first person shooting type of games and all that sort of stuff that are very popular right now. I'm not saying I'm a fan of them, but they're popular. Um, and I think that if you can use the same sort of style of technology, in this case VR, to as a recruiting tool, um, then you, you're probably uh, kind of like coming, you know, much more in alignment with uh, with your target audience. So, so I like it. I think this is really neat. It's a it's a neat way to kind of go about it. I like the other uh, ad targeting that they're doing with you know uh, financial services assistance and scholarships and all that sort of stuff too. Um, I think that makes a ton of sense. I think one other thing that would be interesting is, is you know, to go a bit further on the location data side in terms of understanding where these uh, candidates are coming from, where people are searching from, um, and tying that back to maybe places that they can go locally uh, to find out more uh, recruiting centers and such, um, you know, um, or even just making connections, um, you know, between people uh in places so yeah I, I like it uh really really cool story so okay on to our second story uh over to across the pond to london now 
where we're talking about Transport for London, which is the uh, government authority, quasi-government authority that runs the London Underground transportation system, the subways, etc. Um, and they have announced that they're going to be launching a new Wi-Fi uh, passenger tracking system. Uh, so this is in the London Underground Wi-Fi, uh, basically tracking people's phones over Wi-Fi. And they originally ran a pilot back in 2016. Obviously, it was successful. Uh, they've taken their time to work out, you know, kind of the details and the kinks, I guess. And now they're they're ready to to launch this uh, full full bore. Um, and what it is 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 that it's about understanding traffic flow patterns, and um, you know, throughout the system, throughout the different stations, and so on. Um, and then using that data to send spe specific information to riders uh, uh, on how you can avoid congestion. So, I mean, this makes a ton of sense to me. We've seen these types of things uh, at airports, for example, where uh, security, uh, TSA and such are using this type of tracking service to understand, you know, that the, the security checkpoint at, you know, gate A is really, you know, packed with people right now, but there's nobody down at gate C you know, sending people that information so that they, you know, they're, they can optimize their, their flow through the system and so on. And this is a similar type of thing. What we're talking about here is just making it more convenient for passengers, using the data to, to you know, speed up, um, you know, and, and, and optimize kind of flow and, and avoid congestion and things like that. Uh, they do say that there's a possibility down the road, they don't have plans for this right now to uh, potentially use the data for commercial purposes, but they're very cognizant of privacy issues and things like that. So I think right now with what they've proposed, I think that, um, you know, they're in, they're in good shape here. I think this is a real, what I like to call value exchange of, you know, the, the riders getting some value, which is, you know, saving them time, avoiding congestion, things like that. And, and obviously the service provider in this case, Transport for London, getting real value and understanding traffic flow patterns and how to optimize their stations. And, and even, you know, potentially if they decide to go down the commercialization of the data as well, they're talking about, you know, not reaching out to individual consumers, but doing things like understanding, hey, we have high dwell time in this particular area, we should charge more for advertising there. So a B2B play, similar to the way we see this kind of data being used in, in uh, indoor location, uh, you know, mass merchandise stores like Walmart and such. So um, I think a lot of potential here. It makes a ton of sense to me. Yeah, I found the story very interesting. Obviously, I do love the, the application of data and movement data um, for this type of a purpose. I think it makes complete and total sense. But it's really funny to see something like this coming out of London of all places with all of the um, issues and challenges with GDPR. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then it's like, well, you know, we, we can't, we can't, uh, IP address is somehow, you know, PII information on its own. However, you know, movement data tied to access points is not like, it's just, yeah, it goes to, it, it just reiterates the fact that the people who are engaging in these, in the lawmaking <laughs> just really don't understand how technology works. Um, and I, I think we've seen that, you know, across most countries um, in terms of government's understanding of technology, but uh, it's just really interesting to me. But I do love the idea of, of the data being used for good and even commercial purposes. I mean, the thing about this type of tracking is generally you don't have anything that provides a one-to-one -one connection um, with consumers. 
because you're getting, you know, some level of like a, a, an idea of a phone, but it's not something that can be addressed with advertising necessarily, right? Um, so it's certainly very privacy sensitive and I would not have a problem with it as a consumer whatsoever. I don't even think there really needs to be an opt-in because it's completely and totally anonymous. Right. Um, so I think that it makes sense. I mean, it's a great play and we should be doing more of this in, in all of our city planning and transportation because, um, this is how you learn and this is what's really truth telling about how we should be building things or how we should be expanding certain transportation or limiting other types of transportation. Um, so I think it's great. Yeah. All, All right. right. So now we're going to go over to some flip flops. Havaianas. Do you like Havaianas? Um, I, I, I mean, I've had a pair. Um, I can't say like, you know, that's the only brand I wear but, or anything like that, but yeah. Yeah. Well, they're super they're comfortable cool. and they're fun and lots of fun, unique styles there. Um, but they are using Google Vision AI now um, with this really cool campaign that they've been doing. So if you've ever, you know, shopped or bought Havaianas, you know that there's a lot of bright colors. Um, they have a lot of art influence. Um, and so they've done this new campaign and it's um, they've collaborated with a, a renowned street artist whose name is Buff Monster. And they've transformed Venice Beach Boardwalk into like this immersive installation. It's shoppable. Um, and it's an AI experience. So it's really cool because what you can do um, is obviously you can use the Google Vision AI technology and the mural, they painted this huge mural that you can walk across um, that Buff Monster has painted and created and it's completely shoppable. So it's really, really cool. Um, the campaign is called Step Into Summer and it matches with uh, the artist's very bright color palette, which obviously goes along with a lot of Papayana's theme. Um, and they did this in partnership with a creative agency called TBD, yep. um, which is pretty cool. And oh, one thing that I thought was kind of a fun fact about the story is that Havaiana actually means Hawaiians in Portuguese. So if you didn't know that, I, I did not know that, which I should have known that, but it's really interesting. Um, but what I really liked about this whole story is that the very beginning of the story started off with the objective for Havaianas was to be the number one sandal brand in the US. And right. I mean, it's a big goal and it's a big objective, but I really like when campaigns start off with an objective because we always talk about how there's like, oh, we're gonna do this like really cool thing with AI and this and that. And then you're like, what was the point? You know, were you trying to drive more sales? What were you trying to do? And so I like this because I think it pulls in the art influence. It pulls in the real world location aspect. Um, and, you know, they had, they had a very, um, an artist that is a U.S. artist, you know, being from Hawaii, um, but they're kind of just like bringing in all that playful summer, um, you know, sandal. So it's awesome. I like yeah, it. I think this is really cool. I, I guess the big question is, how do, you, how do you get a name like Buff Monster? Like that's, you know, like that's a, that, that should be a goal, like for all of us, right? To, to, I really just need to Google what he looks like because. <laughs> is he buff, right? Is he buff? Yeah. Yeah. That's the question. So, um, yeah, I'll let you do that. Um, okay. Um, you know, I, I really like this. So I, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of, uh, you know, uh, kind of real world location activation. Um, and, and that's, you know, that's what this is, you know, like the, you know, this, this Venice Beach art installation, you know, that's completely shoppable. You know, I love those types of things, whether they're physical like that, or, you know, you go to a certain place and there's an AR experience that, you know, you can shop or things like that. But the fact is, is that you have to be in the place to, you know, to participate. Um, 
And, and so I love those types of campaigns. I think they make a ton of sense. Um, and, and I, and I think they've done a good job, uh, with this particular brand and, and how I and, um, and the, uh, you know, the art sort of tie-ins to, to what they do. I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, I like it. I mean, yeah, I, I, you know, it's a big goal, right. To be number one in the U S in, in, in sandals. I mean, I've got probably like three pairs of sandals here, right. Um, <laughs> You know, I just bought one last week and when I was down in Myrtle Beach, like a, a pair of Adidas slides and, and uh, I've got Tevas and I've got, you know, all this kind of stuff. So, yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of competition in this market. And, um, but, I, but I think that uh, there's a lot of opportunity to, to build brand uh, awareness and to create activation and create relationships with customers. Um, and I think this is a good way to, to, to go about that. So I, I really like it. I think it's a cool campaign and, uh, you know, maybe I, I, I'm in California next week. Maybe I can get over there and, and see this. Yeah. Thing. All right. So I've Googled buff monster is neither buff, nor does he look like a monster, but he paints a lot of these like monster type aspects. Okay. So, okay. Picture hardly anyways, that's him. All right. It's pretty, pretty thin and not monstrous. So. Okay. All right. So that's our three uh, industry news stories for this week. Uh, we're going to shift right over into the member news now. Uh, and I'll lead that off as usual with a story from uh, Sweden. And in particular, we're talking about our good friends at McDonald's. McDonald's Sweden uh, right now is giving out a free limited edition picnic blanket. Okay. So it's summer, you know, you want to go out, you want to spend time outdoors, you want to go to have a picnic in the park, you know, all of that. Um, what's different about this is these picnic blankets feature a QR code uh, that let letting uh, you know that while you're there having your picnic, you can order food from McDonald's. And what happens is the QR code activates a location uh, tracking capability so that the delivery uh, service that's bringing it knows exactly where to go um, to deliver the food to you. So it's pretty simple. Uh, you basically scan the QR code, um, it sends your, your location data to, to the food service provider um, and basically connects that up to the, the, the nearest local McDonald's restaurant to fulfill the order and deliver it to wherever the blanket is in whatever park or wherever you're sitting uh, right now. So, um, you know, I, it's probably one of the first real examples that we're seeing that's coming out of some of the acquisitions that we talked about uh, a few months back that McDonald's made. So they, they've been moving heavy into acquiring tech companies. They acquired Plexure, we talked about before, which is, uh, um, you know, doing a lot of interesting digital work and, and also dynamic yield that they acquired that they were using to optimize the drive-through experience. Uh, Plexure is the one who, who builds the McDonald's global app uh, in 48 countries uh, outside of the U.S. Um, so, you know, ultimately what we're talking about here is how they're starting to take some of the technology, some of the expertise within that and start to build campaigns and, and experiences on top of that. Um, and, you know, we've talked a lot about Burger King on the show recently about all the great campaigns that they've been doing using geotargeting and location data. And here you have, you know, sort of McDonald's now being able to leverage some of the, uh, the acquisitions that they've been able to do uh, to start to create campaigns um, and, and in particular outside of the US market. So in this case, Sweden. So I like it, I think it's fun. Um, there's, the only thing I, I, I will say that uh, I wish they would do is, or, or maybe they have, and, and it's not, just not part of the story that I was tracking, but 
you know, I think there would be neat if they had a social sort of awareness campaign around this as well, like tied in some of the, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram or what have you uh, into this. And maybe it's, you know, I don't, I don't know if the, the QR code scanning aspect of this, if it's, you know, sort of the, the native QR scanner in the, in the mobile device, but if they tied it to say something like Instagram and send a pick in of, you know, where you're having your picnic when the food gets delivered and you can get a free something, you know, fries or whatever it is that you're going to get, like something like that, that then also creates content for them would be probably a good uh, sort of secondary aspect to this. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I'm always talking about like, what else can you do, especially creating free content that is marketing itself for you is always a, a win in my book. Um, I like this. I mean, I don't think that it's like groundbreaking, but I do think that it's fun summer campaign. Um, I like the idea of the picnic. Uh, the location aspect, of course, is really cool. I mean, the reality is that McDonald's could do this without um, a a QR code or a picnic blanket. I mean, you could do this in app if you wanted to. Yeah. Um, so it's something that if, if it has good success, it could certainly, you know, be iterative and, and not necessarily be reliant on a picnic blanket <laughs> or a QR code. So I like that it is something that they can translate and continue to use um, even after the summer campaign is over. Um, but, you know, I, I was thinking also, I feel like Sweden's probably a good place to do this in. I'm not sure that a campaign like this would work in the US, but um, maybe, I don't know, but I like it. It's fun. Well, I don't have anything super critical to say about it. Um, but I, I think, you know, McDonald's is always trying new, new technology. And as you mentioned, they have all these acquisitions that they've been doing. So it's something that they think strongly about. And, um, and sometimes it seems like they're not really calculated and they're trying a lot of things, but I think that they probably behind the scenes are relatively um, calculated in with all of these different, like dipping their toe in the water with different campaigns and different technologies to see what resonates, what works with what cultures and where and how. Um, so I find it really, you know. Yeah. And I think I completely agree. I think this is super fun. It's a great little summer campaign. Um, you know, I guess the other question that's popping into my mind right now is, so you're handing out all these free, you know, blankets with these QR codes, but you know, we're, there needs to be the other piece of that, that the people decide, okay, I'm now I'm going to take this blanket and go have a picnic, right? Like, um, you know, like that, that part of closing the loop has to happen, right? Otherwise this, this, it doesn't work. Right. So, you know, people often, I think when, when there's giveaways and things like that, go to get the thing and then what do you do with it? Right. Like how do you get sent them to use it? Um, so maybe there's a need to, you know, have some sort of discount tied to this, um, you know, or something like that as well. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow. All right. All right. This story is super interesting to me, probably, uh, piqued my interest the most out of our set of stories this week. Um, but Zeta Global is taking over Place IQ's advertising business. Um, so Place IQ has been, you know, in the location-based data services advertising space for, you know, quite a while now. And, um, you know, we've known Duncan and his team for, yeah. for a long time. And um, part of what they have done is not only reporting on the location data um, and having some of their own proprietary location data, but also, um, you know, pushing out the media. So um, now they have reached this agreement with Zeta 
And if you don't, I don't really know Zeta very well, but they're a global marketing tech and data cloud. And just to kind of give you a little bit of context, they took over Visto's managed services, um, which was used to be called the collective. And then they also acquired Seismic, which used to be rocket fuel. So those are some names you probably know um, for sure. So they're taking over the managed services ads business uh, for Place IQ, which would in, which will include about 20 or more employees from Place IQ. Um, now they're positioning this more of a strategic partnership. They're not positioning it as a partial acquisition, which is really interesting. Um, and one thing that they did notice, like Place IQ is not going bankrupt. Um, they're just following data companies similar to like TapAd and Drawbridge and sort of mitigating the risk with the, you know, the media buying with privacy risks and tech costs and things like that, that maybe didn't um, outweigh the potential gains they were getting from, I guess, being in both sides of the business. Um, so Zeta is also going to incorporate the Place IQ location data set as well. And um, Zeta has raised $380 million total. Um, so it can obviously support the ad tech, the ad tech business. Um, and some other interesting numbers that I, that I read were advertising was about half of Place IQ's overall revenue. Um, but Place IQ's media business was, is only going to be about 2% of Zeta's overall revenue. So just to give you an idea of the scale that Zeta has with their ad revenue is pretty large. Um, and I mean, that makes sense considering the other acquisitions that they've had. So this is really interesting, you know, I'm, um, next week I'll be in Sonoma at the Mobile Marketing Association CEO and CMO Summit. So if you're there, please say hello, but I'm pretty sure Duncan will be there. And so maybe I'll catch up and get the inside scoop from him um, and hear a little bit more about kind of like what they're focusing on and uh, what this means for Place IQ, what else will they be doing um, in the future, so yeah. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think this is a, a fascinating story to me, right? I mean, we, obviously, as you said, we, we've known and worked with Place IQ for a number of years, uh, you know, at the LBMA and um, great team, great people, great, great technology and, and great reputation in the industry. So, um, you, you know, when I saw this story this week, I was like, it's, it was fascinating to me because we've seen, you know, several moves like this, uh, you know, over the last number of years to kind of take the media part of the business um, and the risk associated with that, um, you know, and, and the privacy implications associated with that and so on and separate it from, you know, the, the location data aspect of it. Um, and um, so for me, you know, I agree with everything you said. I, I guess the question for me, maybe you, you'll find out next week uh, is, you know, what does this mean for Place IQ now? Um, you know, kind of focusing back on kind of just the location uh, data part of their business uh, and their plans to kind of continue and monetize that going forward, given that, you know, now it's, you know, there's, there's sort of half a company in, from a revenue perspective anyways. Um, you know, uh, where do they go from here? Because uh, we're certainly seeing massive uh, demand for location data. Uh, you know, you mentioned you're in Sonoma next week. I'm, I'm also in California next week. We've got uh, two LBMA events, one in San Francisco and one in, uh, in LA. Uh, chapter events going on, both of which are, you know, kind of focused on talking about, you know, either the quality of location data or the availability of location data and, and you know, sort of everything to do with that. So, you know, obviously right smack dab in, in the um, in the space that Place IQ plays in as well. And, and 
So, so for me, that's the interesting piece. I, I think you know Zeta is is certainly well positioned um, with the with the other acquisitions, and now you know the ability to kind of leverage Place IQ's ad platform here. Um, we'll have to see how that plays out. I, th- I you know I'd love to have a chat with those guys too about uh, you know how we, how we can support them. But you know the bigger question for me in my mind right now is is kind of what's the go forward path for Place IQ as it refocuses now on, on the data business, do they come back in line uh, and compete more directly with guys like, you know, factual and folks like that, or, you know, where, where, where are they targeting kind of to go from there? Yep. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. All right. Final story for this week. Uh, Amazon is launching a program. Well, I, well, really more of an expansion of a program um, for their own employees to be innovative. Um, so you, you might be aware that Amazon is really, uh, one of the things that they're really focused on is, uh, disrupting the delivery space. Um, and they've announced that accelerated shipping going from two day to one day. And in order to kind of get there, they feel that, um, you know, I guess the available solutions in the market, uh, you know, aren't up to snuff and, uh, they're going to have to come up with uh, solutions on their own. And so what they've done is, is they've created a program for existing Amazon employees to basically, you know, launch their own startups uh, in the uh, in the delivery space. Um, so basically, uh, they will pay three months of the employee's salary, as well as provide $10,000 in funding during the startup phase. Uh, they didn't mention anything about whether, you know, how much, if they're taking equity or anything like that in these companies or, or you know, kind of what the... Uh, the ownership structure looks like, but uh, the, the fact is, is that uh, you know they, they want to incent their own employees to kind of you know, branch out and, and create companies to solve problems uh, that Amazon has, or or you know come up with solutions uh, to kind of help them achieve their goals. Uh, so it's called the Delivery Service Partner Program. Uh, it's been around for a while, as I said. This is an expansion of the program. Uh, it was originally launched last year. They've created already two, more than 200 businesses uh, since its launch. And, um, you know, they expect it to, you know, more than double that. So um, I think this is cool. I, I think that, you know, big companies uh, need to do things like this. I think this is a great way to, um, you know, keep employees, you know, motivated, engaged, um, and ultimately part of the, uh, the mothership. Uh, because I, I think, one, you know, one of the things that, I've always looked at for, you know, myself is, is that, you know, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur, startup guy. I, I don't, I don't see myself. I don't think I, I would fit well in a big corporation, you know, employee number, you know, 3,030, you know, four, that's, that's not me. You know, I like building things from scratch, but if I, if I could, you know, sort of do both, right. And kind of support a big company and at the same time innovate, um, you know, I think, I think that's really interesting. And I think a lot of folks that I talk to who work for big companies, you know, they're always kind of looking to wishing, you know, uh, hoping that one day they, they can have their own startup. Um, and yet many of them, you know, for, for whatever reasons, families, obligations, other things, you know, aren't built in, in a situation where they can take those risks, um, don't have the startup capital, et cetera. And so, I think it's nice that, you know, that they can have a program like this and to focus it on, you know, the location delivery space, I think is interesting because there's so much going on. There's so much disruption in that area. And obviously Amazon has huge needs. So 
Yeah, I think this is really interesting. So um, a couple years ago, whenever Amazon had already launched this program, I think it was like, you know, five grand to buy in and you could in essence manage your own Amazon fleet, which is sort of that last mile of delivery, um, you know, addressing these types of challenges. And this was obviously before it was open to the employees. But, um, you know, it was something that that I'm very entrepreneurial, you know, yeah. Um, my husband runs a small business that, that we both kind of, that I get to help with from time to time. And, uh, so it was something that I was really interested in, but one thing that I did notice and a big, you know, drawback for me is that if you start something like this, they really expect it to be like your full-time job. Yeah. So it's not something that you can just like build and manage. They want you to be there on the day to day and the upsides are good. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, you're always thinking like, you know, what is the ramp up time? And then when do I get to be sort of like more hands off and have somebody running the day to day? Um, and that's not really what they want um, and what they're looking for for people here. So I was curious when I saw this, like, well, how, you know, I'm assuming that they're just taking maybe people who are doing a little bit more like, I don't know, grunt work jobs at Amazon and offering them this opportunity. Um, because maybe their career growth would be, you know, exponentially more um, and revenue wise from an annual perspective than what they're doing. But I highly doubt that like anybody who's on the executive team is thinking about taking this opportunity. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's good because I do think it's encouraging, um, you know, entrepreneurialism and creative, you know, creative thinking within a big enterprise. And that's hard to do, like you said. So it's cool. Agreed. So there you have it. That's our uh, show for this week. Three industry news stories, three member news stories, a wide array of uh, stuff all over the globe going on. And uh, you've been listening to episode number 423 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Of course, we will be back next week with a show uh, for you. If you have story ideas, if you have feedback, uh, please reach out to us. We're easily findable on all the social media platforms out there. If you're watching the video, uh, the information's at the end of the show. And we just thank you for listening and watching and wish you all a great week. Bye, everybody. Bye.